Good morning. I am so truly thankful to be back with you guys today. It, it feels like so long since I've seen you, even though I just missed a week. Thank you for your prayers for me being sick last week. Back again. Excited to dig into the Word of God. It's a good day. Do you know what today is if you were followed the calendar? I know Matthew knows what today is. Today is what would be the day of Pentecost. Five weeks. Five weeks from uh, Passover. Five weeks from the resurrection. And uh, this would be the day that the Holy Spirit came down on those first believers. So we're praying for the presence of the Holy Spirit today. We know the Holy Spirit's present because we've got Jesus people present. And the Holy Spirit doesn't just come visit for a while and leave again. The Holy Spirit is living within you if you've trusted in Jesus. So um seems like uh, I'm always involved in a story. I like telling stories. I, I like checking out stories. I like reading stories. And um, when you're, say, I know not everybody's a reader, but most people watch something. When you're watching, say, a movie or something, are you the kind of person who doesn't want to know anything about it? Or are you the kind of person that's on IMDb looking up, I saw that actor in something else in some other place, or am I the only person who does that? It's like, I recognize that obscure person there. And then you go down and you look, and you're trying to find out things without spoiling the movie. You know what I'm saying? It's like, okay, let's find out. Oh, look at this neat trivia thing here. That wasn't that neat. Where did they film this? Everybody else is watching the movie. I'm the guy like on my phone. Why are you on your phone in the middle of the movie? Because I'm finding out about the movie. But are you the type of person who kind of wants to know how it turns out? Or do you want to be completely surprised? Or do you want to know how it turns out and everyone else around you be surprised and you can be like, I knew it all along. Is that you? Well, it's, what, about when you're, what about when you're reading a book? If you're reading a book, have you ever skipped to the end just to make sure it turns out okay? It's like, yeah, okay, I see a few, a few honest people. Um, usually, before I read a book, I kind of know how it's going to go. Okay, or in an example, maybe more true to the times. Have you ever been like streaming a reality show on something um, and you're like skip ahead, you look up, you quietly while everyone else is watching, you look up who wins this thing. So you make sure you're betting on the right horse, but you cannot possibly let the other people in your house know that you know who wins the season of tattoo masters or whatever the heck it is, because if they know that, you know, you'll get, they'll get mad, but you, so you got to act surprised when the guy wins or the girl wins. So most of the time, I kind of like knowing how things are going to turn out. The exception is ball games. Um, I don't, I don't want to know what the score of the ball game is because I want to go watch that if at all possible. Now, if I don't get to watch it, then we'll, we'll look it up. But um, it's, it's hard to know. Do we want to know what happens or do we not? It's like, do we want spoilers or not? We want to find out what happens. Well, in some things, in the ball game, I don't want spoilers. Probably in a movie or book, I don't want spoilers. But in, but in life, I want spoilers. I want to know this thing's going to turn out okay. I want to know, just like you want to know, that this decision I'm about to make is, is going to turn out to be a good decision. Like, Lord, give me the spoiler. I'm about to take a job. Lord, is it going to be a good job? Is it, am I going to like this? So, you know, I'm about to move to this place, or I'm about to buy this car. 
is is it going to work out? We want spoilers. We want to know. We deep down we want to know if the good guys win, right? We want to know if the good, and that's that's where we've got to in our study of the book of Daniel in the Old Testament. This prophetic book, this amazing book. It's wild to think we started this in February, back when nobody could find Ukraine on a map. That's how long it's been. That whole mess hadn't even started yet when we started this. And some of you are like, why does it take you so long to, do, to get through a book of the Bible? Well, it's, you know, 12 chapters, one chapter a week. You know, that goes by pretty quick. You know, get sick here and there, have Easter. You know, there's a lot of things that go on. So, it's, you know, it just takes a little while. Um, we, we may not do it fast, but we're going to do it right. Uh, Daniel comes to the end of the book, and he's... He wants to know how it's going to turn out. He wants to know if the good guys win. That's, that's where we've got to in this story. Now, most people only know one famous story from the book of Daniel, the one everybody seems to know, even if maybe they've not been around church very much. It's Daniel and the lion's den. You know what? If, if you spent the night with some lions and didn't get eaten, you'd be famous too. So, yeah, it would make sense. Maybe if you've been around church a lot, you've heard another story, the, the fiery furnace one. That one's one of my favorites. And I uh, don't know if you've ever seen the VeggieTales version of that. It involves chocolate bunnies, which is just right in the soft spot in my heart for chocolate bunnies. I am 41 years old, and uh, for the first time this year, my mom did not get me a chocolate bunny for Easter, and I was distraught. I was distraught, so like, son, you're 41, you don't get an Easter basket anymore. She brought some to my kids, but not to her, her firstborn child, uh, so yeah, so it's, it's, it's really okay, I'm not hurt at all, and I'm over it, I'm over it, probably. <laughs> so there, there's so much more in the book of Daniel, y'all, we've heard some of it, if you have not been here for this whole thing, you need to go find us on our podcast and look it up. And, and people say, well, where can I find your podcast? I mean, and it's, it's so easy. You've heard of Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, all that stuff. We're on that. Just look that up. We're right on there. Uh, we're in any, any kind of podcasting app you can find. We're on it. Just look it up. Look up Recreate Church and you'll find us. And you can find such amazing episodes as Daniel and the Werewolf King. And uh, yeah, Daniel in the handwriting on the wall, or Daniel and the ever controversial goat of corn. It was a goat with a unicorn horn. So some people are like, that's the greatest thing. And other people are like, that is terrible. That is awful. But uh, I liked it. I thought it was great. So go back and check that out. I do want to give a shout out to the people who listen to our podcast all over the world. We got listeners in the Philippines. So hey, say hi to the Philippines, you guys. Yay! How about that? So they'll, they'll catch this whenever it posts, tonight or tomorrow usually. That's so crazy. We're just a little street corner operation in Hillsville, Virginia, just kind of a wide spot in the road, and we're going all over the world. So thank you for being a part of that. It's pretty amazing. So Daniel has come to the end of his life, and he's gotten, he has seen and experienced some incredible revelations. One revelation after another he's got glimpses into the future and had visions that you and i can 
hardly imagine and hardly appreciate even as we read them on the page. And yet he comes to the end and he's still got some questions about how things are going to work out. Um, that's where we've got to today. One last story. The end. Not just the end of Daniel, but it's a story of the end. How all of this that we know as our world, our reality, this present age, how it's all going to wrap up. Because there is, there is an end to the story. And I'll, spoiler alert, it's going to get bad before it gets good, but when it gets good, it's going to be so good that we'll forget how bad it was. So Daniel chapters uh, 10, 11, and 12 kind of form one long episode, and we're in the 12th, 12th chapter today. Exciting conclusion. Let's, let's read a little bit. We'll read like a verse, and then we'll stop right there. At that time, Michael shall stand up the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people, and there shall be a time of trouble, such as never there since there was a nation, even to that time. And at that time, your people shall be delivered, everyone who is found written in the book. I'll stop there and pray. Heavenly Father, will you bring home to us this message that we need to hear, that in the end, the good guys win. We need that today. Will you speak it into our hearts and give us peace through it in Jesus' name? Amen. So verse 1 starts out saying there will be a, there's going to be a, a time of great trouble, a chaotic, distressing, dangerous time, a great trouble like the world has never seen before. And this, this great time of trouble is it's exactly what you might guess it to be. It's that part of the story that we mostly know from the book of Revelation called the tribulation period. We don't talk about that a whole lot, but it's the reality that at the end of this age, there's going to be this really difficult time, this incredibly uh, terrible time uh, like there's never been before. But here's the promise to Daniel that the Lord will deliver his people and the Lord will need that the Lord's people will need deliverance in those days. The Antichrist is going to be such a persecutor of believers, especially the Jewish folks who have become believers during that time. Never in the history of the world has there been anything like that, even under such horrible monsters as Antiochus and even Hitler. The Lord's going to raise up for them a champion in this day, a guy called Michael. I can't, I, I, I'm named after a different Michael than this one. I don't know. I'm named after Michael Questenberry, who was my dad's best friend growing up. I don't know where Mrs. Questenberry got that name. Do you know? That? I, don't, I don't know. We'll have to figure that out sometime. But it, it wasn't this guy necessarily. I, I can't live up to this. This Michael here is an archangel. And something like the guardian angel over Israel, like a warrior angel. During the tribulation period, he leads an angelic battle against the devil and casts him down. So he's going to rise up during this time to, to defend Israel. Historically, Israel is, is God's chosen people. Now, please understand when I say Israel, I'm not talking about just the place you can point to on a map with borders, okay? And, you know, the modern political entity that always, there's always seems to be a lot of controversy there. That's not exactly what I'm talking about here. I'm, I'm talking about the descendants of Jacob, the son of Isaac, the son of Abraham. These are the people to whom Jesus came when he arrived the first time. And by and large, 
when Jesus presented himself as the Messiah, the Savior sent from God, his own people did not recognize him. A lot did, but the leadership in particular did not recognize him for who he was. In the tribulation, that's going to change. Zechariah 12.10 says this, And I will pour out on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication. Catch this line. Then they will look upon me whom they have pierced. Yes, they will mourn for him as one mourns for his only son and grieve for him as one grieves for a firstborn. They will recognize Jesus as the Savior sent from God and will grieve the fact that that their ancestors by and large did not receive him and jesus of course was pierced for us his hands and his feet was nailed to the cross and and uh, this will be recognized at that time and many many people will turn to the lord and because they've turned to the lord they repented they recognized jesus their name will be written in the book if we can go back to verse one please go back to that verse one in the book there's a lot of good books out there but this is a this is a good book this book is, is the book of life. You see it referenced many times in the Scriptures, and uh, whether it looks like a book or it's a scroll, I don't know that that matters, but the fact is everyone who is in the Lord's family, their name is, is listed. If you've trusted in Jesus as Savior, your name is in this book. That is so much better than getting your name in any other book. When I was a kid... I used to read the, the Guinness Book of World Records. You remember that one? I don't think they actually publish a physical volume anymore. That was a big deal. Like, I was going to the Scholastic Book Fair. And I had like five bucks in my pocket. And the Guinness Book of World Records is $4.99. And I came home and I read that one for like, till it was out of date. There was probably not a single record in that that was still in date. But I read it and I'm like, man... I'm going to be in a record book someday, and uh, apparently I am not. I'm just, you know, the kid who read the book a lot. That was a cool book to me, and it's a record book, but it compares nothing to the record of those whose names are written in the book of life. You don't have to live an impressive life. You don't have to be known for the, the guy who ate 100 hot dogs in two minutes or something. I would not recommend that. But if your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, that's the book you want to be in. Your name's got to be in there. Because Jesus is very plain that not everybody who wears the name tag, I am a Christian, actually knows the Lord. Um, And, you know, we, we struggle here. Something I've often said in our ministry here from the very beginning, from the earliest days, is that if you really know the Lord, it should change the way you live. It's one, anybody can stand up and say, I am a Christian, but it's another thing to actually live, live it out. And the way you treat people says as much about your faith or lack of faith as anything else. See, what kills me is there will be churches meeting all over the country, all over the world today, and, and people will come and enjoy the services and receive and, and hopefully give something to others and then walk out of the building and go to a restaurant Raise your hand if you've ever worked in retail or a restaurant on a Sunday. You know exactly what I'm about to say, don't you? Some of them church people can be very difficult to please. You know what I have said as we have given away Recreate t-shirts? 
is you go home and you change your shirt before you be rude to a waiter or waitress. Because it's too small a town to get away with that, okay? Don't wear your recreate hat if you're going to be rude. You know, turn your t-shirt inside out. I don't know what you got to do. But uh, well, that's not how we are. Look, if, if we're going to claim to be Christians, we're going to have to treat people right. Even people we don't like. Even people who believe and think very differently than us. Maybe even people whose, whose lives and choices are so far from what we can agree with that it's, we would struggle to have a conversation. Even people who vote the other way. Ooh, I see like, wait a minute, you had me up until that point, preacher man, but the, the yeah, we're going to have to treat people right. Um, everyone, it, it's not enough for a person to appear religious. Your life's got to change deep down. There's a true and lasting change, and the way you treat people will change. Everyone has got to surrender to Christ, and it should show. As the future grows more and more unpredictable, as the world becomes more and more polarized between light and darkness, the, the choice becomes clearer or clearer. For me, the only thing that makes sense is trusting in the God who knows the future. I mean, what else? What do you, what do, you do in a, such an uncertain world? I can't count on my own wisdom. And I, I skipped to the end of the book, I confess. I skipped to the end, and I found out the good guys win. And I got an invitation to be on Team Good Guy. And I, I went ahead and took it. I'm, I'm on Team Good Guy. How about y'all? You look at the end, and the good guys win. You've been invited to be a part of Team Jesus. Be on Team Jesus. It's not that hard. This is not complicated. The choice is obvious, and it's the most important decision anybody can ever make, trusting in Jesus. Nothing will have such a deep and lasting impact on your life, on your heart, than trusting in Jesus. So, We're going to read just a little more, verses 2 and 3. Uh, listen, if you could bump it forward a couple slides there. We read, And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament, firmament Never can say that word. And those who turn many to righteousness like stars forever and ever. You'll go to verse 2 and leave it there just a moment. So here we see a big concept. The New Testament develops it much further, but in the Old Testament they only had like a basic understanding of this thing we call the resurrection, which is life after death. And I'm not talking about coming back as a ghost or something. I mean, floating around and just, you know, doing whatever, doing whatever. Um, not a disembodied spirit, but an actual, uh, tangible, immortal, supernatural body like Jesus was after his resurrection. You ever read a little bit of that part of the Bible? After Jesus comes back from the dead, he's not a ghost. They were like, oh gosh, it's a ghost. He's like, I ain't a ghost. Come feel me. Come touch me. Give me something to eat. He could eat. He could... He could enjoy food. He could enjoy fellowship. He could enjoy physical touch. And the indication is that resurrected bodies will be like that. But he could also, and maybe I'm reading too much into this, he could also teleport. I mean, um, maybe I read, I may have watched too much sci fi or something and I'm a little too worked up, but, but Jesus could, you know, disappear here and appear somewhere else. And I, you know, I'm holding out for that. That sounds like a cool deal to me. I don't know. But we're not talking about floating around as a ghost for eternity. 
not floating around on the clouds, strumming a harp, wearing a robe, and, and have little wings and stuff. You know, an actual something we can in, enjoy eternity. So let's just do a quick, quick little, little jump into that, and, and we'll jump back out. Uh, when a believer dies, their spirit goes immediately to be with the Lord, to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. The body stays here, and it falls into decay. I realize that in modern society, we embalm people and and the body doesn't really decay but and you don't it's not fit it's not fit for a, to live in anymore it's it's no longer a place for a, a a person to live um the promise is that the mortal body will rise from the state of decay whatever state that's in even if it's just there's nothing else that can be identified the lord knows where the pieces are and he'll put it all back together not as it was, sick or injured or what have you, but glorified and perfected to be rejoined to the Spirit, to be with the Lord in a body, not just a, a spiritual body, but in an actual body. So um, the resurrection of the body is true for those who have trusted in Jesus, but it's also true for those who've had the life preserver thrown to them time and time again and, and pushed it away. That breaks my heart, y'all, that that folks have the, the good news of Jesus you know, presented like, hey, take this life preserver. We're all in trouble. This ship we're on called Earth is going down. Take this life preserver. Take this life jacket. And some just won't. Just won't take it. And um, the resurrection will happen there too. One will be raised to everlasting life and the other to everlasting death. And that is a devastating thought, but it doesn't have to be that way. Not when everlasting life is so freely offered. Not free, free to us, but not free to the Lord. He paid for it dearly. So uh, this specific resurrection here is one of several that several phases, and this is probably for the believers who died during the tribulation period, but um, we'll, we'll dig into that some other time. So we read that those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the galaxies. What does it mean to be wise? In this context, wisdom isn't, necessarily being the smartest guy in the room it's not the guy who can uh, win trivia night every time wisdom is not even in this context the ability to make the right decision every time this wisdom is making that one wise choice the wisest choice that anybody can make and that is to trust in jesus to trust in the lord that tr to trust in the god who loves you and trusted his son to you We'll see some are like blazing stars. Those who lead others to Jesus will be like blazing stars. Those who share Jesus. I, I don't know if you've ever had that experience of telling people about the love of God and, and, and seeing the light bulb come on. It's a pretty amazing thing. And people can get a very narrow idea of what that was. You know, I kind of came up in ministry in, a, in an era where the, the thing you did, evangelism, was meeting somebody at the door. We're going to their door and knocking on their door. And, and you say, hey, my name is so-and-so, and I'm from so-and-so church, and, and if you were to die tonight, would you go to heaven or go to hell? Okay. Um, there's a place for that probably, but that's coming on pretty strong for most people. Let's just, okay, we live in 2022. Somebody comes knocking on my door at all. I'm like, who's at my door? Now, I realize the world was a different place 50 years ago, and you're like, hey, whoever could this be knocking at my door? Let's invite them in, and let's have tea and scrumpets. 
That sounds awesome. Now I'm like, I'm like, if you ain't the UPS man, you better call ahead. Okay, it's just, it's a different world than it used to be. I, I realize that some of you are like, come on, knock on my door anytime. That's great. But it's culturally, that's not as big a thing. Like, like if someone comes knocking on my door, I'll be very glad to see you. But I will also be talking out of the corner of my mouth saying, kids, y'all better clean this stuff up right now. We got people at the door and, uh, you know, I don't, want them, I don't want them to know we live like this. You know exactly what I'm saying if you've got kids or you had kids. I don't, I don't want them to know we really live like this. Actually, I should not say that. I can say that safely because my wife comes to the evening service and y'all aren't going to narc on me, but our house actually stays really clean because she stays on top of it, but she's outnumbered four to one. Anyway. So yeah, that's not just the narrow, very narrow idea of coming on. It's just a very strong question like, hey, you going to die tonight or are you going to go? Is it true? Yes. Is it maybe the best approach? Well, in a very limited situation. But you know what I found? That if you really want to share the love of Jesus, you'll get opportunities. In your work, in your family, in your school, in your community, at the gas station. There are people who are pumping gas across from you who desperately need prayer and not just because of gas prices. They have other things going on they desperately need prayer for. And you might just see somebody and say, hey, hey, how's it going? How about these gas prices, huh? You know, and you might have an opportunity or you might see somebody you know. And I'm telling you, you will have opportunities. If you pray for opportunities to share the love of Jesus, you'll get them. You'll get them. There's people all around us who are desperate. Desperate for a hope. Desperate for peace. Desperate for something more. Desperate for direction. It's there. So let's read a little more. Verse 4. But you, Daniel, shut up these words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall increase. Well, that part about running around and, and knowledge increasing, it kind of sounds like our present day. What an interesting world in which we live that people have more access to information than ever before and yet so often miss that one simple, vital truth that there's a God who loves them. It's a loud world out there. There's a lot of interference. So people like you and people like me might have to be the ones who just remind somebody, hey, God does care. It may not feel like it right now. God cares. He's there. Verse 5, Then I, Daniel, looked in there, stood two others, one on this riverbank and the other, other on that riverbank. Now just remember, Daniel is down by the river and he's having a vision and that's where all this is taking place. You kind of have to go back a few chapters to pick up that context. Verse 6, And one said to the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the river, How long shall the fulfillment of these wonders be? Then I heard the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the river when he held up his right hand and his left hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever that it shall be for a time and times and half a time. And when the power of the Holy Spirit has been, holy people, when the power of the holy people has been completely shattered, all of these things will be finished. So Daniel sees two more angels, one on either side of the river, and they speak to the angel standing out in the middle of the river. And they ask the question that Daniel was probably thinking about, the one that we've been asking for ages. If you say this this world is going to, or the world as we know it is going to come to an end. And when? When's that going to happen? That's important, right? When? 
I come up in a, in a church era where people really, really were into the, to the end time stuff. All those left behind books were coming out and it was like a big, big thing and people were really obsessed. Well, when is this going to happen? When's it going to happen? Well, we're not the first generation to ask that. He wants to know here. And, and the angel asks the question on behalf of Daniel. The, the angel standing out of the river in shining linen raises his hands as though he's testifying in court and he gives an answer and says it will be a time and times and half a time. Well, that's thanks. That's real helpful, Mr. Angel Guy. What does that mean, a time and times and half a time? Well, we've encountered this before. We piece it together. It's one year and two years and half a year. So three and a half years. It's a poetic way of saying three and a half years. Oh, well, okay. That gets us a little closer, but still, that's not a lot to go on. Three and a half years. Okay, well, we reach around a little more and pull in some more prophetic passages, and we understand that that's a significant amount of time, three and a half years. The tribulation period is supposed to last seven years. Half of seven years is three and a half, and we read again and again that that last half of the tribulation period is supposed to be really, really bad, really, really terrible. That's that's three and a half years, so... Um, we have a revelation here of one of the purposes of the tribulation period. And that, that's the last part of verse 7 there. When the power of the holy people has been completely shattered, all these things will be finished. That's very difficult for us to understand. If we just take it at face value, we say, well, why would, if the holy people are believers, why would the Lord want to see their power shattered? I've thought about that a lot. I like, I like the idea of being the guy with the answers, you know. The guy with the power. I do not like feeling helpless. I hate feeling helpless. It's, it's the worst. And what does it mean that the power of believers would be, would be shattered or, or hindered or crumbled? Well, here's the truth. So long as we rely on the strength we think we have, we will never see all that God can do. So long as we rely on our power, we're never going to see all that God can do on our behalf. It's only when the struggles of life have completely shattered us, when, when the power we think we have is done, then our illusion of self-sufficiency is over. And then we get to know the goodness and the grace of God. Some of the folks I've met in my life who know the most about the goodness and the grace of God have suffered the most. Who have been driven to the brink again and again knowing that they don't have the power to correct the situation. And they have seen the power of God. I do not like feeling desperate. I hate feeling desperate. But it seems in those desperate moments that's when I get to know God. There's something about desperation that adds fuel to your prayers and you can't fake it with God anymore. You just It's that Peter sinking in the Sea of Galilee prayer, Lord, save me. You don't have time for any of the flowery language. You don't have time to try to bargain with God. Peter could not say, Oh Lord, verily have not I followed Thee since the first day I met Thee on the shores of the sea. That even rhymed in everything. He didn't have time for that. He's like, Lord, I'm sinking. Save me. And it's those prayers those desperate prayers that seem to be the most sincere. I love hearing the voices in the background. 
that tell me that our children are having a good time in kids' ministry. I love that. i got to give a shout-out to, if you see Grace, you just tell her so much how much she's appreciated. Because um, grown-ups come to hear the preach, and all the kids just go to see Miss Grace. That's all the reason they're here. They just, they just go see Miss Grace. They love her so much. She's, she's awesome. What's going to happen during that difficult time of the tribulation is that all self-sufficiency is going to be so crushed that some folks will finally see for the first time, yes, they really do need God. Man, I don't want it to get that bad to you. I don't want, it, I don't want to have to get my, my butt whooped so bad that I, I can't even walk before I see I need God. Of course, the answer that was given here, it's a time and times and half a time, three and a half years, that really doesn't satisfy the question. Does it? We, we want to know. That tells us something about the duration, but it doesn't tell us when it's going to happen. So Daniel, he asked for a clarification in verse 8. He said, although I heard, I did not understand. Well, we're with you there, Daniel. Then I said, my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? And he said, go your way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed to the time of the end. Many shall be purified, made white and refined, but the wicked shall do wickedly. And none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise will understand. So Daniel gets an answer, but it's not the answer any of us want to hear like hey when's this going to happen and the answer is more or less just hold on it's going to be revealed at the time the divide between good and evil is going to grow even wider and daniel's just going to have to trust god and move forward that's kind of where we are we look at the world and we see it seems like evil is getting more evil and there seems to be plenty of it and we say, Lord, how's this going to work? I don't know how this is going to work. How, is it, what's the end of this going to be? Is, are the good guys really going to win? I mean, it looks like the bad guys are winning. And the answer that we don't want to hear might be the answer we have to hear. Is trust God and keep moving. Trust God. Man, that's not a satisfying answer at all, is it? Because we want it all, oh, you know, like your kids ask you a question to say, when, when are we going to do this? Can we do this? Can we do that? You know, and you're like, maybe, I don't know, possibly, let's check. And, and they just keep on. Pers- I love my children and their persistence. They got it from me. Man, I know when to hold them. I don't know when to fold them. Away, fold them and I don't know when to walk away. And I certainly don't know when to run. I just keep on going. I just keep on going. And they get that from me. If they got it from their mama, they would have sense enough just to stop. But they don't. They just keep going. And it's going to be a good thing in the long run. And that's, we don't like the answer, just hold on and trust me. We don't like that. Let me distill it down to this one little thing. Maybe the thing that you showed up here today to hear, maybe the reason you turned on this podcast, if you're listening to the podcast, is to hear this. Trust God and do the next right thing. Trust God and do the next right thing. Right now, you might be dealing with some big questions that you don't have answers for. You may have struggles that you do not know how they're going to work out. Problems you have no idea how they're going to face. Or or just decisions you don't know which way to go. And as much as we would like God to just shine down from heaven and, and, and tell us in audible words exactly what we should do, Sometimes the answer is trust God and do the next right thing. And sometimes doing the next right thing is setting your alarm and getting up for work the next day at a job that you don't love because 
as you are faithful in that job, God may be preparing you for the next one. Sometimes the next right thing might be just to make yourself get up and brush your teeth on a day you don't even know if you want to keep living. If you've never had days like that, God bless you. I hope you never do. I've had days like that. Sometimes the right thing to do is, is just pray for somebody who you'd rather not pray for. Just get up and do the next right thing. That may be what we have to do. Trust God and do the next right thing. Even if it's a tiny little thing. The next right thing. So the angel doesn't give Daniel a date for the end, but he does give a little more information, and it's, it's kind of nice and confusing, but we're going to sort it out. So just hold on. Verse 11. From the time the daily sacrifice is taken away to the abomination of desolation is set up, there should be 1,290 uh, 1, days. Blessed is he who waits and comes to the 1,335 days. Uh, leave it on verse 11 for a moment, if you will. I told you that the tribulation period is divided into two halves, and the second half is really bad. Well, in the middle of that, that's when the Antichrist does some, he stops the sacrifices in the temple. And we're not going to get way into that. We've covered that before. But that last half is kind of what's being talked about here. So we get some big numbers, and we don't get an explanation in the immediate context. And that's a little frustrating, but we can figure it out. We're smart people, right? You're smart. You're a smart people. Nudge the person beside you and say, you're so smart. You're almost as smart as me. That's how smart you are. Just tell them you're just almost as smart as me. Yeah, there you go. We're smart people. We'll figure it out. So, okay. Okay, tribulation period lasts seven years, right? Seven years. Half of seven is three and a half years. Okay. Maybe you can remember from a few weeks ago. Did the Hebrew people use a solar calendar or a lunar calendar? Lunar calendar. 30 days each month. 360 days in a year. So 360 days, three and a half years, that brings us up to 1,260 days. Well, that gets us awfully close, but the angel said 1,290 days. So there's 30 extra days there. Keep that in your mind. Store that. And your, your little graphing calculator, hit the little memory thing on 30, all right? You remember those? That's not a thing anymore, is it? Man, those were, those were cool back in the 90s. I swear I was there. They were cool. Just take my word for it. So we have in verse 13, we get another big figure. 1,335 days. That throws another 45 days. So we add that to our 30 days we had before, and we see there's 75 days. What do we do with that? 75 days. And what we kind of piece together here is that after the, by the, the end of the tribulation period and before the beginning of this blessed time when God's kingdom comes on earth, there's going to be a period of 75 days. 75 days. Well, what's that mean? Well, let's compare it to something we're familiar with. What month in our country, what month do we have national elections in typically? November. What month do those people take office? January. You know the length of time between the election and the inauguration is about 75 days. What are they doing in those 75 days? Well, they're making a lot of changes. They're making ready for the new administration. There's, there's you know, new people taking over possibly, so they're, they're doing a lot. Maybe that's exactly what's happening here. Because Jesus is about to take over the throne of the universe. And they got this gigantic war thing that just happened. And they got to clean it all up. You know, you're making ready for this new, this new thing. It's days of preparation. And it's going to be a time when Jesus comes back. It's going to be a time of incredible peace and prosperity and glory. And, and the devil will be locked up. Can you imagine a world with no devil to give you a hard time? 
And we, we don't have a category for that. A, a world in which you're no longer tempted to do things you should not do. Wow. It's going to be something like the Garden of Eden. But there's going to be some mess that's got to be cleaned up. So maybe that's what's going on in those 75 days. And if you, if you read prophetic scriptures much, maybe that's the time of that sheep and goats judgment in Matthew 25. We're not going to get into that. That's a whole other message. But for y'all Bible nerds, I'm going to toss that one out to you so you can run that rabbit at home now for the very last book verse in the whole book of daniel verse 13 but you go your way to the end for you shall rest and will arise to your inheritance at the end of days daniel gets a lot of spoilers in his book he gets to hear a lot about the future but he doesn't get that one daniel's told just keep on living keep on believing keep trusting god keep doing the next right thing and it will be okay He didn't get to know everything he wanted to know. And maybe that's what we miss. We want to know, and we can't understand why God won't tell us some things. So I want you to catch this. Faith isn't just believing what God told you. Faith is trusting God with what he doesn't tell you. You can trust God when he speaks, but will you trust God when he's silent? That's a thought. That bears repeating, just in case you guys are the folks who write stuff down. Faith isn't just believing what God has told you. Faith is trusting God with what he hasn't told you. You can trust God when he speaks, but will you trust him when he's silent? Daniel decided to trust. And that's where the book ends, right there, with the decision to trust. With the promise that Daniel will be raised up in the resurrection and that he would receive an inheritance as a child of God. And, and that's where it ends. We don't hear anything more about Daniel in the whole book of <laughs> the whole Bible. And that's it. For you and I, maybe we don't get to know everything we want to know. I want to know so much. I want to know how things turn out. I, I want to know if the decisions I'm making are the right decisions. I want to know if a difficult thing I'm in the middle of is going to turn out okay. I don't, but I don't always get to know. One thing is abundantly and undeniably clear, the ultimate spoiler for history. In the end, the good guys win. In the end, the good guys win. You needed to hear that today. Because right now, it feels like the bad guys are winning so much. And by the bad guys, I don't necessarily just mean some, some foreign power. I mean, like the darkness. feels like it wins so many victories. And, and beats us down so much. And we have struggles in, in family and in finances and health and, and work and school and, and our relationships. And it, it seems like the bad guy's winning. And we need to be reminded that light triumphs over darkness. God's going to lay a whooping on the devil. It's going to look like the devil's going to have his day, but it's not going to last. In the end, the righteous will be delivered. In the end, every time Luke Skywalker gets Darth Vader to turn back to the light, every single time, because in the end, the good guys win. Going to look like the bad guys win, but they will not win. I don't know what you're fighting today, and it looks like that thing's going to win. It may look like it wins. And it may get down, and, and, and it... It may be the very thing, and that's it. And it's, it looks like it's won on earth, but it won't win. 
in eternity. In eternity, there's going to be peace on earth. The devil is going to be defeated and be destroyed. Every tear will be wiped away. There'll be no more sorrow, no more crying, no more death. On the days when it seems like evil is all around us, remember the truth is just around the corner. There is victory. The good guys win. That's the final and lasting message of the book of Daniel. Is A lot of bad stuff's going to go down, but the end is happy. In the end, the good guys win. It's going to be great. So what can you do? Trust Him. Trust Him with your past, present, and future. Trust Him with the junk from yesterday. You know the dumb stuff that you feel like is going to haunt you forever? Trust Him with that. The stuff that was done to you back then? Yeah, it was wrong. But it doesn't have to own you forever. Trust Him with today. Trust Him with the, the problems that you can't seem to get on top of. Trust Him with those. Trust Him with tomorrow and the uncertainty. Because He's the only one He knows. We can guess. We can forecast it. We can guess what the weather's going to be tomorrow. But we don't know until we get there. God knows. God knows. The most important decision anybody can make is to trust the Son of God, Jesus Christ. I think we just need to go to the Lord in prayer right now. If you need to do business with God, let's do it now. Heavenly Father, I want to pray for someone who's listening to this who's never trusted in Jesus as Savior that they might cry out to You and say, God, I believe. I want to be saved. Please forgive me. Make me new. I believe that Jesus is Your Son. I give Him my life and I ask for the new life that He gives. In Jesus' name. Mighty God, I want to pray for all of us who seem to be fighting things that are winning. Help us to be encouraged to know that in you there is victory. In you there is blessing. In you the good guys win. In the end, always. Thank you for the testimony of Daniel who lived so far ago, so long ago, yet his words ring down to us through history. God, lead us forward from here. I pray we'll be a church that honors you. Give us direction, Lord. And give us opportunities to share your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. What a journey it's been through the book of Daniel. And people say, what's your next series, Pastor? And I'm like, oh, I'll let you know when I know. You know, we've got some stuff coming up pretty soon. We've got Father's Day in a few weeks. Um, We'll do something for that. We had planned a baptism service on the 19th, but um, kind of realized, hey, that's Father's Day. And there may be people who can't participate. So we're looking at July the 10th. July the 10th, that's still good. July the 10th, we'll be down at Billy and Kelly's house. If you, if you want to be a part of that, let me know. If you want to know how to get there, talk to Billy and Kelly, and they'll let you know. I'm going to leave it just like that with the good news. We're going to have a baptism service. You can be a part of that. Let me know. God bless you all. We will, we'll see you next week, hopefully. If not, God bless you, and we'll see you next time we see you. Take care.